Hi, Beth. Hey, Beth. Your Abby, Dear Kiki. Desperate housewives. Doesn't want to marry you. Love you like I love you. Don't talk to yourself. Cheers, Beth. Cheers. Ill-advised. This is ill-advised. Hey, Biffs. Hello. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Ill-advised. The podcast where two best friends try to get it right the second time. And never do. And how. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, we just came back from a break of recording. (laughs) Yep. And clearly, we don't have our shit together still. Yeah, we never have. Well, I mean, usually when we're ready to record, we sit down and record. We don't take an hour to record when we sit down. That's true. And we just took an hour to record. That is true. That's okay. We spared you guys an absolutely shit introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's not often that we're like, you know, let's just start over. Usually we're like, no. Right. No, we're going to do that. Actually, we even keep the nose in. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) But like, no, this time we had to. It's just like, we don't even know. Like, you set this all up today. And I mean, I don't even know if it's right. (laughs) Like, that's how long it's been. I know. I know. We've hung out, too. Yeah. I was going to say it was a nice little break. Yeah, we needed it. Not that this is so much work. No. It's just nice to not have to do anything. No. Did you hear that? Oh, a little rumbling. Wasn't my stomach. I thought it was a stereo for a second. Oh, might have been. Neighborhood woes. If you know of a podcasting studio in Massachusetts, I think we can you pay be, for it? <laughs> we need to be way more specific than just Massachusetts. Oh, we just gotta say Massachusetts. <laughs> we don't need no weirdos finding us. Oh, I know, but like, also, don't find us a place that's in like. If Boston. you know a place in North Central Massachusetts, hit them up. Yeah, hit Biff up. Holla. Holler for a dollar, honey boo boo. <laughs> it's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, th- Whatever happened to them? The mom went on like a drug bender. She did? Yeah. I saw that she lost a shit ton of weight. Yeah, probably from crack. And then they, you know, renamed the show like Make Way to for Honey Boo Boo's Mom or something. Yeah. Or like, you don't need to make way for her mom anymore. Yeah, like redemption of whatever her mom's name is. Was it June? Oh, that's right. Is that right? That does sound right. Why do I know that? I don't know. I feel dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like white trash? I do. I do. TLC, what was the name of that show? Like, June's Poon or something. It was like, it was melodic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we've never even seen an episode of. I don't. I've only seen memes. I think. I just see like the commercial, like the previous. Yeah, that's it. Well, Mama June, Mama June, Mama June, Mama June. I did it, Biff. I am so ashamed. You are a trashy TV. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I don't even watch reality TV of any form at all. Like any reality t- reality TV I've ever been exposed to was because of you. I was gonna say, like when you come over, or yeah. when I lived with you. When you like, it was yeah. like trash TV. But you get sucked right in, don't you? Immediately. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, what the fuck is happening, and why is he hot? <laughs> Always. <laughs> why is she throwing plates at him, and she's helping yeah. her, and he's hot? Yeah. Like I wouldn't throw a plate at him, but then I. It, <laughs> 
it catches up in my mind and I go, I would, because he's hot, I would fucking mm. chuck plates at oh, him. Yeah. I would frisbee those motherfuckers. <laughs> like, here's some China, bitch. So pollen should be throwing plates at you is what you're saying? Is that a compliment? Yes. <laughs> Accepted. <laughs> Honey, if you're listening, will you throw the finest plates we have at me? Gold leaf, please. Also, record it. <laughs> yes, we'll be famous. Do it for the Vine. Do it for the Bravo. <laughs> Do it for the TLC. <laughs> How you doing, Beth? <laughs> uh, it's been a rough, um, probably two weeks for me, but I am hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging I gotta get. Up. I gotta get back to. <laughs> and to the left thank you (laughs) i love descriptive Uh, words yeah i gotta get back to the self-love thing oh yeah 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 i forgot that was a thing i know right who like out of everything in the world that's gonna be the hardest to do just fucking love yourself right well (laughs) like like, who designed this right (laughs) like there's no manual like how the fuck are you gonna come up with a concept and not tell us like life's gonna be shit and also it's gonna be very difficult to love yourself right so good luck i'd like a recipe motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) and not for disaster right exactly like if your recipe is just wine that's not self-love that's (laughs) self-loathing i think that's where i'm at (laughs) (laughs) we're doing great me too me too yeah yeah why not you hanging in there you've been having a little bit of a rough time i i I almost feel bad calling it a rough time because i still have it better than a lot of people yeah but it's not a i know it's not a comparison it's not a thing i just like i feel like an asshole for complaining about it because i'm still okay i get it but you're still allowed to yeah i know you're right self-sabotage for two let's see a few weeks ago when we recorded i was what uh my life is an enormous sigh i believe was one of them Ah. and i am leggings (laughs) so Uh, yep (laughs) sums it up are these podcast titles (laughs) (laughs) i know we're totally missing out on these we're using like totally different shit um and today i am just i just exist and that's okay okay yeah if you're okay with that then yeah, yeah. Um, right. uh, self-love i actually think i've been practicing self-love but in a self-loathing way i think i've been using self-love to excuse as, to excuse my self-love or is it vice versa oh maybe the other way around that makes more sense yes overall you're on the same cycle you are apparently or not but maybe <laughs> That's for a later podcast. Shall we skip to the wine? Yes, please. <laughs> no, right. Before we start going down a different path. Uh, this week's wine is a Carmenere. 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 A 2019. Do we know what a Carmenere is? I've literally never heard of it in my it, life. Actually, you've had a Carmenere with me before. Oh, great. From um, Casiero del Diablo. Oh, I remember that name. Yes. I just do not remember Carmenere. Yeah, we've had it before and we actually liked it. That one. We had to look up how to pronounce it. Yeah, because we didn't know how to pronounce it before. Yeah, that's why I don't remember pronouncing it before. Oh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> because before I think we said like Carmenier or something like that or Carmenere. Ah. But it's a Carmenere. And this one is Chilean, which is very common for this varietal. As we learned, this was something that used to grow very heavily in France, but now has been kind of relegated to that region in South America. So is this a rare wine? Uh, No. Oh. Well, I don't know. I mean, it was 1899, so yes. I was going to say the 
price point no no it's not it's pacha reserva but it's vina marti so i think that's the sure. vineyard and their reserve is what they call pacha pacha i don't know it's a super cute bottle it is really cute shall i you shall okay pacha Oh, Do God. it in your Brofia voice. Oh, we haven't introduced the listeners to Brofia yet. This is gonna We're be about to. <laughs> I don't know if I can do the whole thing. All right, I'll try. Pacha. A local language means the earth of the world. A concept closely related to nature and how we interact with it. We grow our grapes from the Pachamama, Mother <laughs> Earth. Oh, my God. I can't keep reading this. Uh, I'm going to drink while you're reading. (laughs) (laughs) Right in front of the impressive Cordillera de los Andes mountain range. This situation gives vitality to the soil and vines, creating a beautiful connection between the origin and your glass. Oh, that's poetic. I like that. Pacha wines are created with passion and excellence, with a distinctive character that makes them unique. They are a perfect balance between old and new world styles. Pacho wines. Drink responsibly. <laughs> if ever there was a reading they had to do in this voice, this one was made for it. Really? Pacha Mama. I would have thought like a eulogy or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to do that voice at my funeral. <laughs> oh, I can do yours. Can you let your family know I'm eulogizing you? I was going to say, my dad might punch you. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't keep up with the reels. <laughs> well, you know what? In the spirit of Pachamama, let's fucking just drink let's this mama. It. it smells great. Cheers. Ooh. Ooh. Makes me want to cheese real bad. It really does. Makes me want like salami. Yes. Like that peppered salami that we like. Yes. Or is it? The hard salami. Oh. The harder, the better. <laughs> but this is really good. Back to the wine. Pachamama. <laughs> uh, it is good. It's delicious. Mm. Oh, I could drink this forever. I was going to say that's good because you are. All right. Round three. Mm-hmm. Ready? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Whoa. That did not look pretty. The first taste was much better. Really? This one is like acidy. It was a little boozy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Then I'm with you there. But it's got great notes of something. Pacha? Well, it's like a little, I don't know, like cinnamony and plummy. I don't know if that's supposed to be there. I don't know. But I'm getting like a plum. Nothing's coming to me. Huh. Rating? I would give this a four. I would go back and get it. It's a beautiful bottle. Like, it is. It is. <laughs> that's why I bought it. I might just buy it and leave the bottle on my counter. Yeah. <laughs> You can just have this bottle. Actually, I'll take this bottle, then you buy me one, and then you can keep this bottle. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I like it. I would drink it regularly. This is one of those. Actually, this is one that I would have when I came home from a really busy day at work, and I would, you know, if I worked, and poured a glass (laughs) and then cooked dinner with. I don't think I would eat dinner with this one. No, salami and cheese. Yeah. Or just cook dinner with it. Yeah, I'm with you with a four, I think. Yeah, because I would totally buy it. I got questions this week. You got questions. Mm, Still no answers. Never. Never. What's the fun in life? If not to have answers to our questions. If not to guess what the answers to our questions are. 
Oh, I like that way much better. <laughs> way much better. That way. That like way. That way. Oh, that better. way much better. <laughs> Your English is so confusing. <laughs> How long have you been English? in this country? <laughs> all English is confusing. <laughs> uh, this week we're visiting our friend, the ethicist for the New York Times Magazine. Yay. Yeah. We did this one once. I don't know. A dozen episodes ago or so yeah we really liked it so um let's um give kwame anthony apaya another shot shall we let's this first one is called should i pretend to love my stepchildren oh. this is from january 28th 2020 i married into my husband's family decades ago we have one child together whom i adore the rest of the children are from his previous marriages i get along superficially with all of them I make conversation and act interested in what they have to say. I tell them I love them when they say it to me. Generally, they have treated me very well, and I think they actually do love me. But I do not have any real feelings for them. Oh. I have never wanted much contact with people. Having interactions with all of them over these years has been painful for me. Yikes. I fantasize about severing contact with his family once my husband dies. What? <sighs> Is my <laughs> pretending to care about them unethical? Name withheld. I have so many questions. I don't have answers. Clearly, this is a very short question. I know nothing about name withheld. I have so many questions. Go ahead. That was the whole question? Yeah. That's why I told you I have none. How old is your husband? If you're waiting for him to die. Right. How old are the children? Did it say how many he had previously? Uh, uh, the rest, which I actually was laughing at internally while I read it. The rest, the rest of are, them. Yeah, like fuck the little people. <laughs> I do like that they pointed out that just in general, connecting with people is like not their thing, right? So that does kind of not not justify, mm -hmm. but it does tell us that like gives you an idea. Yeah, this person just in general doesn't like it's people. just not a people person right <laughs> like, um which fine right okay and i also can appreciate i think is the right word that they i guess fake you know that they're still faking it until they make it like or just fake it until just you know isn't like cold to them and mm -hmm. like cut off and right. you know if they say i love you they say it back and also i don't I don't think, I think it's a valid question in the sense of it's sometimes a complicated situation when there's stepkids and biological children. You know what I mean? Yeah. The hard, like the it's not always just one big happy joined family. It's true. So I can appreciate the genuineness, authenticity. authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, it's kind of a, valid question even though i feel torn about it like the question whether or not it's ethical like you knew your husband or wife had children mm -hmm. prior to you getting married mm -hmm. so you literally signed up for that mm -hmm. that's where i'm kind of torn because i'm like i don't think i would marry anyone unless i truly loved any children that they had you know what I mean? Right. Which, that's, and that's the only part where I'm torn. But, well, right. Because they are at least trying to, like, 
pretend to. Right. So it's not like they're just like, fuck his kids or her kids. Right. I married into my husband's family decades oh, ago. So yeah. But they're like decades ago. So now they're so, like adults. At least. And I don't like them. How do, I was going to say, how is it decades and you've never build a, built a relationship? I don't like them. But you love your child. You know, I'm going to just say what I was thinking. Please do. It feels like you got married for the wrong reasons. Yeah, you're waiting for your husband to die. Yeah. When someone tells me they're waiting for their husband to die, you know the first thing pops into my mind is? Shmoney. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. Now, I know the ethicist isn't going to go down that hole. The ethicist. (laughs) But you got married for the wrong reason. That is my, you have a child together, great. You accidentally let him finish in you. But it just doesn't feel like genuine love. But let me, I digress. Let's answer the question. Is pretending to care about them unethical? I don't think so. I think it's, I don't, I don't want to say okay, but I think the fact that they're at least pretending, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so torn. I'm going to take the assumption here that she does love him, the husband. Okay. And I'm also going to assume fairly, I think, too, um, because we are in Massachusetts, that she doesn't have regular, she didn't have regular interactions with these children when they were younger because they probably lived with the mom, right? Yeah. If we're, you know, yeah. just making right assumptions here. Yeah, that's fair. You know, and so, you know, she's like, nice one she has to be. She treats them as mm-hmm. normal humans and respects them and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. And when they're not around, she doesn't have to deal with them. And that's probably true. And that's okay. Yeah. But I can split this into two different tracks. Is it ethical for you to pretend? I don't think that's a question of ethics. I think that's a question of, you know, your marriage, what you're trying to preserve, Mm -hmm. you know, but then there's being true to you, which is a whole other story. I don't think it's ever wrong. Although I also don't think it's always right to, you know, save face, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can you reread the part about, um, I think it was right before the question when she said something about when the husband dies. Can you reread that part? Sure. I fantasize about severing contact with his family once my husband dies. Yeah, that part. Is my pretending to care about them unethical? I just had another thought because you made me read that. What? Your child has siblings. (laughs) Right. Good catch, Biff. Good catch. Your child has half siblings. You will never be rid of them completely. Let's say the husband dies. I think that's what she wants to do. I like get that paycheck and take off somewhere with her kid. I don't think it's an ethical, but I think that knowing this about yourself should be a sign to seek therapy for that social anxiety that you have. I don't know if I'd categorize this as social anxiety. No, not being good with people, not having... I think it's more than just not being good with people. No? I think it's like I'm emotionally disconnected. From self or surroundings? Surroundings. Okay. Like, Like you said in the beginning, like this marriage is not a... 
I didn't marry for love. Right. Because I may not be able to love in the ways that we kind of, I don't want to use the word like the normal. Tra- like but the like, traditional yeah. forms of. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I fucking hate this question. <laughs> I don't know. I fucking hate this question. I don't think it's unethical. Let me put my assumptions aside. Right. What we're feeling from the question. But, I don't think you but pretending removing your to child love child from their uh, other half of his family is kind of unethical. Well, I think that's that's what I mean. Like, removing all my other assumptions. Like, I don't think it's unethical for her to pretend to love them. I, I think she's trying to cut ties. I, I wouldn't go as far as just based on what she's writing to cut ties for her child. Because I'm thinking her child must be an adult also. If it's been decades. Maybe, yeah. So the child true. can make their own decisions. That's true, yeah. You know what I mean? Providing that their child is capable of making their own decisions. I'll read the answer. Yeah, thank I, you. <laughs> I'm just like... We've never been so quick to just fuck this. Yeah. Ready? Mm-hmm. The Roman poet, Marshall, wrote an epigram, absurdly simple and curiously haunting, in which he declared, I do not love you, Sibidius... Nor can I say why. This much I can say, I do not love you. So you're right. She married for the wrong reasons. Continue. You got that from that? Yes. Okay. It's not the most obvious candidate for immortality, but it persists because it speaks to the way that not loving someone like loving someone is seldom something you can explain. Sometimes affecting affection can, in time, make the affection real. Sometimes, as you've discovered, going through the motions leaves the heart unmoved. But is the pretense itself wrong? It's conventional to say, very well, thank you, in response to, how are you, on the phone, even when you have a cold. That's not dishonest, it's merely polite. Replying to family members who say they love you with, I love you too, can be merely conventional in the same way. Isn't pretending to be fond of people you have to spend time with a better and more generous tack? than being cold and distant. We know all too well the odious alibi invariably offered for some cruel remark. I'm just being honest. It sounds as if your real problem is that you aren't naturally sociable and so your involvement in family gatherings over the years have been more burden than pleasure. Given that you've pulled it off for decades, you evidently don't have an incapacitating social anxiety disorder. Nicely done, Beth. And you're certainly not the only person who sometimes feels like running away from family gatherings and hiding out. Yet plainly, it's harder for you than for most. I was struck that you describe your interactions with the stepchildren not as tedious, but as painful. Oh, I miss Yeah, me too. People will understand if you choose to spend more time on your own if you become a widow. But there's no point at this stage in telling everyone what your real feelings are and dropping truth bombs to use the aptly military metaphor. Despite your lack of affection toward your stepchildren, you clearly have some measure of regard for their feelings, and you're right to. Another concern is that cutting yourself off from the world and widowhood, your adored child aside, can lead to your depression. Your adjustment to life without your husband will probably go better if you don't lose touch entirely with family and friends. Even introverts, as a rule, benefit from some human connection. So perhaps you can find a way to reduce interactions you find unpleasant without ending them altogether. Create a life that suits you, but in doing so, try to minimize the injury you do to others. I like it. I love this very fucking wordy response. Yeah, I think we we both did good. 
collectively. We just said it in way different language. Yeah. We said it in <laughs> English. Yeah. But I I, I kind like of it. love I, I love the spin of that social anxiety slash like but you'll lead yourself to depression. I, I love kind of the the facets of it, the different perspectives of it. You know, yeah. like it's not a social anxiety because you've clearly been okay with it. Right. Which is fantastic and yeah. answers my question. But no but that's it. Yeah, I love it. It's great. What an interesting question. What an interesting life. Uh, yeah, that's to yeah. lead. Next one. Yes. I'm please. so cautious right now. <laughs> I know. What is this gonna be? This one is can I contact my sister's grown children without going through her? Mm. I chose this one because it is so vague. It's gotta be good. It is very vague. Very vague. And this one's from July 20th, 2021. My sister has been estranged from our parents for decades. She later cut herself off from my brother and me when our children were born because we refused to cut off all ties with our parents. She believes that my father, who was her stepfather, sexually abused her. While we couldn't confirm her recovered memories with our own memories, we didn't deny them. Even if there was horrible behavior like that and not the more ordinary types of neglect and abuse that we do remember and could confirm, we wouldn't choose to never see or talk to our parents again. I attended a therapy session with her and was only given this extreme choice. I'm younger, so my memories are those of a small child. It is important to me to be true to what I do remember. My sister got married and had children of her own. During this time, I've occasionally contacted her, but have never been able to come to an agreement that is mutually satisfactory. She told me that her children know nothing about any of us and think her parents are dead. At this point, that is now true. My father died 10 years ago and our mother died recently. Neither ever met my sister's children. Her children are adults now, and it seems like a good time to try again to try to end the estrangement. But I'm not sure what is the best way to proceed. I have tried to respect her wishes by not going to her house or writing to her children secretly. I do know where they are and could reach out to them by email. My children would also like to get to know their cousins. In the spring, I emailed my sister and encouraged her to coordinate a first meeting of our children, but received no reply. Is it ethical for me or my children to get in touch with my niece and nephew without going through my sister? Oh. That's a lot. Yeah, it definitely wasn't what I expected. No. Can I say one thing off the bat? Yeah. Being true to what your memory is and also not denying your sister's experience is huge. Yeah. Is huge. Yeah. That's not common in my experience from what I've seen. You know, oh, my experience was yeah. different. So that was my experience and that yeah. was it. Yeah. Like not dismissing her for what she experienced. That's big. That is big. However. Yes. I didn't love that they said, even if these things, this was true. Oh. We still wouldn't stop talking to our parents because sexual abuse, especially if it's from a parental figure, mm -hmm. not to say that any abuse right. isn't traumatic and devastating, but I do feel like there is a little bit of a, not difference, but just a different type of trauma mm -hmm. from sexual abuse, um, especially from 
parental figure. Was it stepdad? It was her stepdad, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it's a different. It's just a different trauma. It's the person who's supposed to be protecting you. Right. And be your caretaker, yeah, it's. So to I, say, I like, oh, you know, even if he did sexually abuse, you know, mm-hmm. we still wouldn't, like, I didn't love that part. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't catch that, so. Um, or rather, it didn't pop out to me as the reader. Yeah. Should have. As for the question, mm-hmm. this is tricky. The sister clearly hasn't, what's the word? Reconciled? Yeah, maybe, like, like, um, yeah, I guess reconciled, healed. It it felt very much like I shut out this mm-hmm. part of my life, and and now zero part of it is going to, you know what I mean? For even, is the sister in contact with the siblings? It doesn't look like it. So yeah, to completely cut out that whole existence, right? That's I. Th- Again, I'm I'm coming at it with a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. You clearly want to have some sort of relationship with your sister and your sister's kids, but going to your sister's kids directly is a surefire way to not have a relationship with your sister who clearly has no issue cutting family off. Yeah. But your kids, your kids can do whatever they want. <laughs> that is kind of fair. You know what I'm saying? That is kind of fair. Your kids can do whatever they want. If they just happen to find their cousins on Facebook. Yep. Hold you harmless. You know, like, I don't think it's ethical for you knowing your sister's feelings and without getting her blessing for you to go forward and contact her children. Yeah, because apparently that's going to be opening up a whole world of hurt for the sister. Yeah. Why did we pick these questions? Uh, because they lie to us when they give us these titles. God damn it. Advice column, this love clickbait. Uh, <laughs> I don't even have like a, this is what I would do. I know. I, I, I almost feel like I want this question to be coming from like the sister's children to like Should, connect with we, their right. family. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and in that case, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. You want to talk about ethical? It's not necessarily about honoring or dishonoring your mom. It's about knowing where you came from. Actually, I'm talking myself out of that, but still. I know, but also I'm an aunt. So it's like, if this was me in this situation and I had a niece and nephew out there that my sister refused to tell, you know, to let them know we even existed, like that's hard. You would be out there finding them. I think I would. Oh, yeah. You're too nosy to not. Not even nosy. Not nosy. I'm just, just so like my family. I'll right. kill everyone. It's true. Like nobody's going to stop me from being with and around and involved with my family. I don't think that there is an eth- you. We can question the ethics for your children. But for you, ethically speaking, knowing that you want a relationship with your sister too. What if I tell my niece and nephew, like, don't tell your mom. Oh my Not god. Yet. Don't tell your mom yet. I'm not the ethicist. <laughs> Response? Yes. Yeah. You got okay. nothing? More? All I've that's all I've got is that like it's not entirely unethical for your children. Your children to make contact. Right. But yeah. you know. Also be ready for, you know, the ethical fallout. Yeah. On your 
your part in so this. So it's going to turn into a don't tell your mom anyway. Right. Damn. Okay. Yep, go. I have a big scar on my forehead. Somehow it isn't very noticeable, so it isn't easy to forget about, not least for me. Still, when people ask me about it and I tell them the childhood incident that explains it, I expect that they'll file it away as a fact. For my younger sisters to respond with a courteously non-committal, quote, we believe that you believe it, I can imagine being put out. If I'm telling them what happened, I would want them to respect the expertise of my experience. My word should suffice. For your sister, of course, the emotional stakes are vastly greater. She told you what she believes was done to her, and your agnosticism entails an absence of faith in her. When you refused to cut off your parents, she saw you as siding against her. Your inability to accept what is, to her, a critical fact about her childhood, about her existence, surely struck her as hostile, which is why she didn't want you in her children's life. Non-denial is far afield from acceptance. Ooh, another poetic line. I did miss that part. But there's another complication here. You refer to your sister's, quote, recovered memories, and I assume you chose those words with care. Recovered memories aren't memories that, even when you put them out of mind, were always available to you. In parentheses, I've never not remembered how I got that scar, although a year or two could pass without my thinking about it. Rather, in the course of intense therapy, such memories emerge like gravestone rubbings. Unfortunately, a substantial body of research suggests that therapeutically facilitated memories of trauma do not necessarily correspond to actual trauma. The stone may in fact be blank. The grave may be empty. There was a time, appallingly, when patients who had always known they'd been sexually abused were encouraged by therapists of a certain school to think they were merely imagining it. Recovered memory, as a clinical practice, veered far in the opposite direction. Patients who knew they'd experienced such abuse were coached into having memories of it. This practice seems to have peaked in the early 1990s, about when your sister began to cut herself off, but persists in various forms. QAnon curiously has survived specific tropes of satanic ritual abuse that became a notable recovered memory accusation three and four decades ago. Huh. Uh-huh. A recent large-scale survey found that almost half of patients whose therapists mentioned the possibility of repressed memories came to remember or think they remembered abuse they hadn't previously known about. In more than 40% of those cases, they cut off relationship with family members. What you've experienced then falls into an established pattern. It clears both why your sister was antagonized by your careful agnosticism and why you can't responsibly commit yourself further. Your sister, you acknowledge, may have been sexually abused, but she needs you to share her certainty and you are unable to offer this. That's why I'm not optimistic about your being able to end the estrangement. It has done too much work for her. To protect her core beliefs, it seems, she deceived her children and kept them from others who could dispel those deceptions. However misjudged, those kinds of decisions are hard to walk back. What's beyond debate is this. Now that your niece and nephew are adults, their mother has no right to dictate what relationships they may have with you or your own children. You sat out her participation here. At this point, you are perfectly entitled to contact them and to tell them what you know about the relatives she hid from them. I'd encourage you, though, to think about how this revelation will affect your sister's relationship with her children. You represent a buried secret whose exposure she must have long been dreading. 
When her deceptions are exposed, she will no doubt feel betrayed by you, but her children will no doubt feel betrayed by her. It would be terribly sad if your establishing ties with your children led them to cut ties with her. Assuming that you do get in touch with your niece and nephew, help them understand that their mother could not have made her decisions lightly and deserves every consideration. There's been too much scarring in your family already. Huh? <laughs> yep. There's a lot confusing here. Yeah. But let's get to the bottom line here. The ethicist is saying that it is not entirely unethical for him to reach out, but it's gonna be consider the relationship with his sister. Damaging. I like their response. I like that instead of giving a straightforward yes or no, gave this writer like here's perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely unethical. You're well within your right to reach out to your family whenever you want to, but consider the fallout. There will be a fallout. And then there may be repercussions as a result of that fallout. Right. And I missed the opportunity to say that reaching out to your niece and nephew to find out and to let them know that like family is very much alive and well. Mm-hmm. What kind of a, you don't want to paint your sister as that type of parent. I know. I know. Especially if you quote unquote care about her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's still a tight spot for me personally. Yeah, my thought this whole time was on the trauma that that's going to open up for the sister. I didn't think about the sister and her own kids' relationship. So, yeah. (sighs) Fuck these questions. I know. (laughs) These were much easier last time, weren't they? I think. I think. Listener, please tell us how we answered these before. Episode 62. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) I think. Yeah, I'm too torn with this one. But we can go to the next one. This one is called, What Should I Do About the Abusive Mom Down the Hall? (laughs) December 15th, 2020. I'm drinking. Go ahead. I'm going to start reading. I live in a large apartment complex. Mm -hmm. Since I moved in. I did not write this. I was just going (laughs) to. Since I moved in several months ago, I have I have heard my neighbor down the hall, a single mother of color, repeatedly hitting and screaming obscenities at her two young children, who are both under the age of 10. These are not casual slaps, if there is such a thing, or a parent raising her voice. The children are wailing in response to being hit. I can hear it all through the door and the mother threatening to throw the children out. It happens multiple times a week and I can hear all of this through my apartment down the hall. I do not want to involve the police for obvious reasons and can only imagine how stressful it would be to care for two young children in an apartment alone during a pandemic. It is also obvious, however, that the children's welfare is at stake. But I am afraid that if I say something, the children would be put in an even worse situation. Mm -hmm. Do I talk to the mother directly? It seems unlikely that this will seriously change whatever forces have compelled her to parent this way. Mm -hmm. What would you advise? Name withheld. I feel this on every level. Emotionally, physically, mentally, mentally, morally. All of the lees. Not morally. Unfortunately, I am familiar with this fucking scenario. Mm -hmm. And it really is terrible. It's fucking terrible because you know if you call and DCF gets involved, 
them kids, that system is maybe equally as bad as growing up in an abusive home. Like, if not worse. Is it? Oh, I, I don't know anything about it. It's fucking awful. It is just, it's so bad. It's so bad. And it's like, I've actually yelled at a mom out my window mm-hmm. who was screaming and cursing and I don't give a fucking to her child who's probably close to my daughter's age Mm -hmm. and the first time I heard it like I immediately was like for context your daughter's about to be four yeah and I live in a an apartment complex complex and I just got so angry but I didn't say anything Mm -hmm. she's out in the middle of the parking lot just screaming her kid is in tears hysterical Mm -hmm. and I just was filled with like I literally want to run outside and go grab the baby and <laughs> run back in my house. But I just whatever. Let it go. And then it was either the second or third time that the same lady doing the same thing right out in the public, right out in the parking lot, just screaming and cussing at this child in tears, crying. And I finally yelled out the window at her. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, can you fucking not? Like, can you not? Mm-hmm. And I don't remember her response or if she responded to me. But it is. It's so. <sighs> no, my understanding is with cases surrounding child abuse and custody, they try to keep. Not that I'm expecting this writer to know this, but they Typically, don't they try to keep the child with relatives before they go to foster or a group home or anything like that? I believe so. Um, I don't know for sure, though. What do you think about the ethics of her saying anything? I mean, I think the writer hit the nail on the head when they said, I think this is fail, fail. Whether I say something, it's not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. And then if I call and report her... It might be worse. It could be worse. How do you deal with that, though? Having to constantly endure this. How do you balance, like, I'm sick of hearing this versus I'm afraid for these children? Well, I'm afraid for these children either way. You know, they're screwed either way. So for me, personally, I just try to remember we're all at where we're at. Mm Mm-hmm. And we can't give more than we have. Mm -hmm. So for this mom, not at all justifying her behavior. Mm -hmm. But I do have a level of understanding that, A, she was probably raised the same way. Mm -hmm. And B, for any reason, she's at her capacity. Mm -hmm. And this is where she's available. So I, I try to take that along with the fact that children are very... Resilient. Resilient. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to just let the, okay, all right. Oh. Okay, because if you think about it, even if that child is, you know, being emotionally or verbally or even physically abused, mm-hmm. them getting ripped away from their parent, especially if it's a single mom, their only parent, mm-hmm. presumably, that's devastating. Yeah. They'll get over the cursing and screaming and sometimes hitting Mm -hmm. and i say that loosely they'll be 
issues later right. in life. We're not condoning behavior, period. Right. They're not right. going to just be unscathed, mm-hmm. but they'll wake up the next morning and be okay. Mm-hmm. Versus now I'm waking up in a strange home or with strangers or not right. my mom. Right. And that's even more, you know? So fuck this. Fuck this question. <laughs> fuck I'm these torn questions. because not knowing about the system, I know I won't be able to sit there night after night listening to this, thinking that they're better off with this parent. And, That's true. And not, not knowing, knowing about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know that I won't be able to sit here night after night. I know that talking to her will not make a difference. Oh, no. It will not work. In fact, it's just going to add fuel to the fire. Probably. Right. And so to me, it's almost worth rolling the dice rather than staying it's worth the gamble in other words that having faith in this system that's supposed to be good right it's supposed to be i was gonna say i know you know better than that you know (laughs) what i'm saying no yeah i'm like just not knowing about the system it would be worth the gamble right your assumption right is this system is put in place for 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 this for this reason better these because I, I'm with you to a degree that children are resilient. After that, we have no control. Otherwise, we'd all be okay. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to word. You know, when like I was that, saying that, that, like those traumatic experiences are traumatic. Resi- like they'll after a point. Absolutely, you there's know what I mean? definitely damage being done for like, sure. Like getting backhanded by my mom once. Okay, my mom backhanded me. She was sorry. She felt bad. Twice. You know, three times now, I'm like, every time she raises her hand. Now I'm... I'm ducking. Yeah. Even though she's just I'm literally, like, and, grabbing something right. next to me. Right. You know what I mean? So that's that's the part that's hard for me. I, so I imagine that, but then imagine getting ripped away from your mom. I know. I know. No, I'm with you. I'm not against you at all. Because I, I can't. I can't. I won't. Right. <laughs> but, but I'm... Big mama's boy anyway. I just, I can't, I don't know. I don't know what's better and what's not. I can't answer this question. I can't. Just very honestly, this is, if I were writing a column, I would not have picked this question to respond to in a publication. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad and... It is sad. I don't know. Also, let me ask this. Calling... And authority does not automatically put those children in. Right. I was I was actually thinking about that while you were talking. Like, what if there is a they call therapy the cops, or cops? a social worker type aspect first? Right. I think that's a part. As long as of they're not the, physically abused. If they if a cop shows up and there's no visible signs of mm-hmm. abuse, then it's pretty much okay, ma'am. Have a good night. They don't. Uh, if there's ex- no visible. Now I'm gonna turn it around from experience cops and educators are also mandated reporters regardless of whether or not there's physical signs so even a so if they went to school if they went to school and a cop came and checked things out and saw everything was okay if there was repeat conversations about it they would be required to report it to the state the state would then assign a social worker that's in massachusetts right so then this caseworker would show up and it wouldn't see be a, that there's food in the cupboards the children are not black and blue they make regular there's, visits they work as for how almost, long when does the case get closed I, sorry mom i 
don't know how long we had ours. Weeks, months. It was months. 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 Yeah. Of like weekly, a weekly visit? Weekly visits. Yeah. And this case worker would talk to us, talk to my mom, my mom's partner at the time, ask questions, would mediate conversations between all of us. Okay. Um, even took us out as children to kind of get information from us. You know what I mean? Like yeah. bonding, like we went to right. like a local arcade type of situation. Right. So, but that's just Massachusetts. I don't know what other states operate with. Yeah, I have no idea. I barely know what our states. Right. Right. I can't answer this question. Also, what if you did make that call and a cop did show up? Could that potentially lessen mom's rages? Because now she's aware that people are hearing. Depends on mom. But even if it's a... It either lessens it, status quos it, or intensifies it, right? Hothead mom. I don't know. Yeah, I don't fucking know either. Response? Yeah, I'm excited for this answer. It does sound as if what you're hearing may be child abuse. A particular concern is that these rages are a regular occurrence. You shouldn't rush to call the authorities when you see someone losing it in what might otherwise be a caring relationship. People don't have to be what you'd consider good parents to retain the rights and responsibilities of parenthood. But there is a bar beneath which they should not fall. Would talking to this woman be helpful? You could try, but it's hard to be optimistic. A neighbor whose first interaction with you concerns the question of whether she's abusing her children isn't likely to give you much of a hearing, and sadly, mistrust may be heightened if she's black or brown and you aren't. If you are already on friendly terms, you could offer to help with the kids and perhaps reduce stress that may be one cause of the violence. But clearly you aren't, and a pandemic probably isn't the right time to begin a relationship. In any case, the situation needs attention now. Your reluctance to involve the police, who aren't likely to have the relevant training, is justified so long as you don't judge the children to be an immediate risk of serious harm. If you did report this ongoing situation to the police, what's supposed to happen is that someone from the agency responsible for child protective services, different municipalities use different designations, would be dispatched. But things can go wrong. So the best course of action would be to call the Child Help National Abuse Hotline or a local alternative and get a referral to the appropriate agency in your community. A trained caseworker can look for evidence of neglect or physical injury and intervene when necessary to help people who are dealing with mental illness or substance abuse or are just stressed out. Alerting the authorities isn't something to be done lightly and you're right to be concerned about making a bad situation worse, but you can reasonably hope that the social service professionals will use good judgment. I like this answer. Yeah. A lot. I'd I'd never considered something outside of the police. Yeah, I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. Which I mean, if and we're like pretty resourceful with stuff like that. So how many moms or people out there don't know about this shit that mm. should like start blasting this shit like get <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Get a skywriter. I don't care. It's like make it known that these resources are out there to people. Yeah. Especially those single moms who like, you know what I mean? Like are, I'm not, you know, condoning violence against your children, but like those single moms who are like at wit's end and mm. it's like, you know, like this is day in, day out and I'm tired and I'm by myself and I have nobody else to watch my kids with mm. me. And, you know, mom just needs a break. So mom snaps, right. you know what I mean? Like, yep. and then one person, like someone down the hall, hears mm. that one break yep. where you're just screaming. Yep. 
And that's all it takes to get the wrong impression yeah. or to have like the wrong situation. Yep, I agree. It is good to know. Yeah, it's just we don't. Unless instead of calling the cops, is she saying to call DCF? She's saying to call this hotline that'll give you um, the National Abuse Hotline that'll give you alternative agencies or referrals in your area. So not. No. Okay. No, they'll send. They'll send the agency will send a trained caseworker. That has nothing to do with like child protective services. Um, I can't confirm nor deny. Yeah, I'm just curious if there's steps in between. You know what I mean? Like if this, if it's something that like a caseworker can come in and say like, okay, how let's figure out mm-hmm. how we can help versus is there real issues? Do I need to intervene right. with your children? Right. I guess what the other thing that the ethicist was saying was that like, if you are questioning their safety, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So in the case, you know, in any case, this is the situation needs attention. Now your reluctance to involve the police is justified. Um, if you did report this ongoing situation to police, what's supposed to happen is, oh, I'm just rereading that section. So that child protective services thing would happen with the police, like I described. Right. Yeah. That's why I was curious. But if she called that national abuse hotline, some there may be another agency. Yeah. I don't know if that's always the case or... That's good to look into. Yeah. So that's a resource for yeah. everyone. You know, whether you suspect child abuse or, you know, you've, I guess. Struggling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good to know. Well, the more you know. Thank you, ethicist. That was a great answer. Yeah, I was super looking forward to it. Well, that's it then. I guess so. That's all we got this week. It's good stuff. We got no more shit for these wonderful people. <laughs> okay, well. Send us your questions, your comments, and all your concerns to illadvisedthepodcast at gmail.com or catch up on all of our episodes at illadvisedthepodcast.com or on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, illadvisedthepodcast. You guys are fantastic. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. Don't hit your kids. I wish a bitch would. And thank you for listening. You've been ill-advised.